When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Comedy Central. Welcome to Good Talk with Anthony Jeselnik, the only show where I'm the host but had almost no say in the title. That's right, it's Good Talk. My guest tonight is David Spade, a friend, compatriot, and the man I believe to be the funniest person in the world. Whoa. David, thank you so much for being here. I called you a friend just now, yep. but this is probably the first time we've ever spoken outside of the comedy store. Yeah. Uh, thank you for being here. Welcome to the seance. <laughs> <laughs> but I do honestly believe that you are like the funniest person in the world. In fact, you have my favorite joke of all time. My little, my favorite joke, I think I've told you this before. God, I hope this one's mine. This is from <laughs> your HBO special, Take the Hit. I remember when I heard about that John Bonet case. I remember, you remember reading about that? I was looking in the Enquirer when that came out and I was thinking, John Bonet's not that hot without makeup. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, she's okay. She's all right, kind of average though. She's talented, not a stunner. <laughs> I do remember that one. I do it's, like that you like that one. I love it so much that I've ruined many a party by retelling that joke. And people are just like uh, horrified that my favorite joke of all time is talking about a 20-year-old child murder. Um, <laughs> but I, it, that blew me away. I sometimes I, I work, that. just a couple weeks ago, I was doing a big child mustard chunk in my act. <laughs> and uh, tastefully, I have a real good in on it. Uh, and. Um, Somehow I brought up John Bonet and they boo and I go, "You're booing John Bonet? That's super talent." <laughs> I turned the tricks on him because I made him think that they were booing John Bonet. Um, you performed during like the first stand-up comedy boom, and now you're performing out on the road again during the second stand-up comedy oh, boom. Yeah, yeah. What do you think is the difference between the two booms, boom-wise? Just speaking strictly in terms of booms. The difference is not my act. It's the same. Yeah. <laughs> I said it's a different crowd. Uh, no, I sort of caught a good wave when I started. And now I just have no choice because I can't do anything else. So I just, I like doing stand-up. You know it's hard. They know it's hard. Just at the comedy store, everyone's fucking good. Mm -hmm. You know? So to go out there and not look like an asshole uh, and not stand out as bad is fun. So you think the comics during this current boom are better? Because they have to be. Uh, they have to be different than the ones before them, so it's a little harder in that respect. Yeah. Because it was sort of uncharted territory back then. I only knew watching Johnny Carson with Seinfeld and Paul Reiser and Kevin Neal and these guys. So there, w there was probably one comic for every 10 there are now. Mm -hmm. So there's so much competition and so much, you can't do a joke like this joke, that's hard to stay away from areas. Like you have a very distinct style, which helps in writing, I'm sure, because I don't see a lot of people saying, oh, they're like you or you're like them. Mm -hmm. You know, that's good. I'm a little looser. Stuff I do is a little more down the middle, but I obviously want my own voice. Yeah. If someone tells me they're like, oh, I'm like you, my only response is good luck with that. Yeah, like, I barely right. squeak through. 
David, uh, you've mentioned a bunch of comics already you looked up to. Who would you say was your biggest influence starting out? That's a good question. I would maybe lean toward Dennis because he was my favorite for a run there, and then I got to open for him, and then he liked my act, which was a big deal to me. This was pre-SNL, you opened for him. Yeah. yeah, and then he said, why don't you come open for my black and white special, one of those specials, and uh, I did that. I didn't know I wouldn't be on it. I thought, I, yeah. I thought I'd be on it. would show the it. opener? Yeah. yeah. Like, I'd be like, just the first couple minutes. Yeah. And then I found out it wasn't. But I got to do that. I even asked if we could have a picture the first week we worked at Caroline's. And in the middle of the week, I go, can we get a picture together? He goes, that's weird, dude. We're friends, right? I go, oh, yeah. Uh, I felt so stupid. And then I, he helped me get on an HBO Young Comedian special that he was hosting. Mm -hmm. And then after that, SNL saw it. And then he told Lauren I'd be good. So he helped a lot of it. Yeah. Know? The black and white special is one of my absolute favorites. I love yeah. that he paid himself to have it shot on film so mm -hmm. that it looked, it actually looks, it like still holds up looks in black cool. and white. Yeah. It cost mm -hmm. 10 times as much as anyone else's special. Yeah. But it's still great. Let's take a look at that. This is a clip from uh, Dennis Miller's 1990 HBO special, the black and white special. And you want to know what a prick Adolf Hitler was? <laughs> I read Mein Kampf this weekend. No dedication. Do you still talk to Dennis Miller? Uh -huh. Like, I mean, I don't know anyone except for you who still talks to him. <laughs> yeah. And I am friends with two of his brothers. Why do you think that people get so angry at a comedian when they change over the course of their career? Well, listen, I'm not political and the new show's not for that reason, like, mostly because I'm stupid, but I'm sort of a believer I'm here to do stand-up and that's hard enough. They're not paying to see me do that part. So exactly. I just say, hey, they can do their thing, but for me, I stay out of it. And I think with Dennis, you gain fans, but you lose fans. And I think he actually went against the grain when you're gonna go Republican, especially out here. It's hard to even go to parties. It's like a career move to be a oh, Democrat. Oh yeah, I mean, that's why I wanted to do this show. Like we tape months in advance. Like I don't care what's in the Mueller mm -hmm. report. You know, I don't wanna, yeah. like I thought like Picasso, if he was alive today, wouldn't have a period of four years where he just painted pictures of the president. You know what right, I mean? Right, exactly. Like, I didn't want to waste my time with something I didn't know anything about just because everyone else was doing it. It's hard enough to write the regular jokes I do, so. Oh, exactly. And I, can't, I don't relate to people. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have more money than most Americans, and I don't care about anything. <laughs> I don't have a family. So you're like, I'm voting like this for my kids. I'm like, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> I guess. I see it. I like that assessment. All right, before we go to break, Let's take a look back at all the greatest moments in Comedy Central history. Oh my God, they killed Kenny! You bastards! Welcome to the stage, the magnificent Anthony Jesselnik! Hello. <laughs> this is my comedy show. And we're back with good talk. In fact, we've barely moved. David Spade is still, as we like to say, in the house. David, let's play a little thing called agree or disagree. Yeah. I'm gonna make a statement about comedy. Mm. You tell me if you agree with it or disagree with okay. it. Okay. All great comedians have a rough childhood. Uh, I feel like it's more of a percentage, but I would say sort of agree. 
agree. I kind of agree. I think there's different versions of a rough childhood. You could have been bullied yeah. in school, but your family was cool. Yeah. Or like you come from a broken home and you were trying to make your mom laugh when you were a kid. Like there's different ways it can be bad. Me. That was you? <laughs> that was you? No. I will say I was bullied as a kid, but it's funny, bullying, now we have all the data of how bad it is and it's a thousand times worse. It's so funny that you go, guys, we figured it out. We cracked the code, it fucked every kid up, and they're like, oh, let's do it a thousand times more online. And every kid knows. And then there's suicide, you're like, fuck, guys, we figured this out, we have the answer, but it's not, definitely not going away. Do you wish your childhood had been better? I mean, if it brought you to where you are now, wasn't it a good thing? That's how it's, I feel about it's, mine. It's a good question, and uh, give my mom a lot of credit. You know, my dad walked out, and he was a drinker and all that stuff. I would say everyone has a rough version, but mine didn't really seem rough at the time. You look back and you go, fuck, man, that was tough. But the sum of all the parts, I guess I'm okay with it because I'm okay with who I am now. David Spade, bullying success story. Still a pipsqueak, though. Agree or disagree, yeah. you would be just as successful right now if you had never been on SNL, Saturday Night Live. Oh. <laughs> I don't think I would be as successful. That's for sure. Okay. I well, mean, just shoot me, too. It's oh, just without keep just you shoot me, water. you would not be here right now. I mean, after SNL, I would have... They offered me my own show or to be the fifth lead on Just Shoot Me and add me to the pilot and reshoot it. And they already had a good writer and good people, and I go, I think that's a safer move for less money. Yeah, it was and smart thank move. God it fucking worked. Yeah. After his appearance on SNL, Michael Jordan went on to win five titles. How instrumental were you in that? I was in one sketch of them. I think we were an all-white basketball team that did not want him on it. <laughs> it was like in the 50s. And then even though he's really good, we kept not letting him play. So you think that putting the greatest basketball player in history through that sort of humiliation where he has to go and back stress. in time Might during have. Jim Crow really made him just want to show you, know you guys by winning five titles. I think it was more, this isn't for me, I'm gonna really focus on basketball now. Really, because his comedy is top notch. He's really, <laughs> he a was funny in guy. Cartoon Jam. Mm -hmm. Wasn't he? He was in Cartoon Jam. Yeah. Don't correct the guest. Yeah, he Cartoon was great. Jam. He was great in Cartoon Jam. <laughs> I had them making another Cartoon Jam with uh, LeBron Jams. Um, <laughs> Agree or disagree, making movies with your friends is fun and never stressful. I agree with the first part, but it, it, it can be stressful in a way because I think we're talking about Adam. <laughs> Adam is a hard worker and runs a tight ship, and he wants everybody to be on his level. Mm -hmm. He doesn't smoke. He doesn't really drink. He doesn't do drugs. I'm a yeah. little bit of a... Boozy Susie sometimes, and, I, and, and even rocks, you know, he's pretty straight up. So I'm like, I'm the disaster on the set. I, mean, I found that out about two weeks in. I go, every night at dinner, I go, couple, and everyone's like, you drinking? I go, no, no, no. Are yeah. you guys not drinking? Is yeah. no one drinking? And then uh, I go, oh, yeah, no, no, no. <sighs> Fuck. Agree or disagree, musicians want to be comedians, and comedians want to be musicians. I do agree. I do agree, too. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because every rock star I meet amps up the funny around me. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And I agree that I would definitely like to be a rock star. I think comics want to be musicians because then you could just do, like, greatest hits all the time. People are happy. Unlike with comedians where you write a great joke, they're like, great, what else you got? I just did a corporate gig, and uh, when you do these, you know, that's when I want to be a musician because musician can bomb, but you don't really know it. 
Mm -hmm. You just do your song. It's a lot easier than after every fucking word you say, there's crickets. And you have to struggle through it. And everyone knows you're not doing well. I once did a private birthday party that went so badly yeah. that I like I walked around for hours like around New York City just like mumbling to myself. It was so terrible. I did an Andre Agassi charity in Vegas, and it's like big black tie. I like I played with the crowd, <laughs> and uh, and then they said, "Oh, it's you." And then Cheryl Crow, and then this twelve-year-old singer was on. Wasn't worried about her. Ray Romano, and everyone. First of all, I go up, and this little girl does like "I Will Always Love You." She's some famous girl. And she kills so fucking hard. Everyone's like, ah, like freaking out. And she walks off stage and goes, hey, get him next time. She goes, huh? So I was trying to get in her fucking head, you know, because I hated that I had to follow her. Yeah. And I wanted to get her a little jab, you know, on the way out. And then I go up there and I'm like, it's already through me. And then my jokes are okay. And then I get off like shaking like you were. And I sit back down. I'm like, and I see Ray. He doesn't want to say anything, but I go, dude. I go, it's, it's a tough one, man. I go, the tables are way back, kids in the front, speakers are bad. He goes up and fucking crushes. <laughs> Not kidding, the second he walked on until he got off, I go. <laughs> David, this is, a, uh, yeah. this is a new segment we just made up for this show. It's called Explain Your Pants. I want to take you back to one of your sets oh, at the okay. uh, Evening at the Improv. I, um, think I, I thought you meant tonight. I was like, fuck. Where you are dressed for success in some uh, kick-ass Bugs Bunny yeah. denim. Okay? Look at this that is action great. shot. That's funny. I'm I, doing a funny bit. I assume you're on the phone because Bugs Bunny is on the phone. I David, who's he talking to? You know... Is it Taz? That's who we all think. He's calling the hack police in the middle of my act. He's going, this guy's got a bit about Jeopardy. Which I did. Really, I had a good angle on it, though. <laughs> my belt is concerning, also. Even worse, oh my God, I shouldn't admit this. <laughs> I think these were my friend's pants. <laughs> and I thought they were so cool that I go, I want to wear them on evening at the improv. We dug and found out it was worse than we thought. But I remember that HBO special. That's when there's no stylus, no blow dry, no nothing. And now I couldn't imagine doing a show without someone going, take those fucking pants off. Oh yeah. Now on this hair. show, there's like eight people who are just stopping yeah. me from wearing my Along Looney the way Tunes to pants. Go. You, can't, you try to get the Bugs Bunny pants through? I had all the Tiny Tunes done one way <laughs> and then grown up as Looney Tunes on the other. I have the Tiny Tunes so when I unzip, my dick looks bigger. We'll be right back to discuss how David Spade puts his pants on one leg at a time, mm -hmm. or does he think he's better than us? Good talk. That was from the writers. Welcome back to Good Talk. I'm here with David Spade. David, what's the best movie you've ever been in and you can't say Police Academy for? I can't? No. That's just the best movie there ever was. Sharon Stone is in Police Academy 4. Oh, we're gonna get to that. Okay. I loved Police Academy. I got $2,500 a week for 10 weeks. My per diem was $700 a week cash. I was freaking out. So I got my little trailer, which was half banger or whatever they call it, and had my script, circled my lines, put my $700 in it. Next day I come, we're in a different location. Where's my script? They go, oh, they chuck everything at night when we move local. Don't ever leave anything in there. I go, no, 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 I wouldn't. Um, when I got home, I only had cleared 10 grand because of agent and taxes, so I gave three to my mom for her bills and one for my bills, and then I had no car, so I had six grand cash left to buy a car. 
So I got a Honda Accord, which I thought was the simplest, not greedy. I wanted a Camaro, of course I did. I wanted a souped up Supra. But I got this, bought it, drove it to the improv, stolen. An hour later. No way. Yeah, and I was, I just got back from 10 weeks and I was back to fucking zero within two days. Like, wait. I'm back, I have no money. I had to borrow six grand from Bobcat. From Bobcat. <laughs> That's amazing. At the end of Police Academy 4, it's Mahoney's last movie. Uh, Steve Gutenberg gets out of the franchise after Was that. it? Okay. The movie ends with Steve Gutenberg getting into a hot air balloon with Sharon Stone. Oh yeah, that's right. And drinking champagne as they <laughs> wave goodbye to everyone. There is no one else in the hot air balloon. Nothing in the previous three Police Academy movies would lead you to believe that Steve Gutenberg's character could operate that hot air balloon. I believe they both die. That's why they're never in any of the other movies and you never even hear them referenced again because there's a horrible hot air balloon accident. Am I right? They never told me that like straight out, but I feel like you're onto something because I know she never came back. That was, so she was sort of one and done. Yes. Yeah. And uh, was that before Basic Instinct? It had to be. It fucking oh, had yeah. to be, obviously. Definitely. Because she was, we had four crotch shots in this movie, and no one cared. <laughs> uh, that was her go-to. Now it's time for Obscure for Sure and There Is No Cure. David, you were once on an episode of ALF. Yes. And you know what that means. What does it mean? ALF trivia. Yeah! David, what was the name of ALF's home planet? Orc. <laughs> it's somebody's. Looking for Melmac. Orc is... Rob Williams. Yes. Mark and Mindy, Mark completely. Williams. And I can't stress this enough, different show. <laughs> David, how many stomachs does Alf have? Oh, eight. Eight? How, that's the one? You don't know Melmac? I guess. Know I don't know. When I asked for the writers to give me Alf questions, everyone had how many stomachs does Alf have. I don't, oh, know really? if they, I don't know if that was in the theme song or what. People know. <laughs> what was Alf's catchphrase? Hey, Willie. <laughs> Is that close? Not it. No. Let's party. Cowabunga. You're getting closer. <laughs> it was definitely on t-shirts. Ha, I kill me. Ugh. Yeah. How did that catch on? I can't believe that show's not still in the air. But during its entire run, mm. Alf ran on NBC opposite what ABC drama? Hill Street Blues. No, David. MacGyver. Oh! It was MacGyver diver, every yeah. episode. I've got 25 more ALF questions for David. Yes. I'll hit him up with during the commercial break. But first, let's take a look at a sacred rite of passage for many comedians. Laurel Howard, Ralphie Mays, Joe DeRosa, Joey, David Tell, Al Jackson, David Tell, Brad Williams, David Tell, Michael Vecchio, David Tell. Russ Maneev. David Tell. David Tell. David Tell. Nikki Glazer. David Tell, everyone. David Tell. Welcome back. Unless you've been living under a rock, you know it's time for Make God Laugh. We showcase a comedian brother or sister who is no longer with us. Your George Carlins, your Vince Champs, etc. This week we chose Brody Stevens. Yeah. Uh, David, Brody worked for you. He opened for you a lot. Uh, yeah. What's your favorite Brody Stevens memory? Well, I knew Brody a little bit, uh, and then I asked if he... He was too big to open for me, but I said, would you do it for fun, just to come on the road with 
me and Bobby uh, Miyamoto, and he said, yeah. And, you know, it sort of got him out of the house, and had, we had a great time. Uh, and when he'd go on stage, I like when he would berate the audience <laughs> that when he would be fake cocky and go, I'm funny, I live in the valley. <laughs> I had lunch with David Spade, you didn't. <laughs> and, uh, and then he'd talk about his car and leather exterior. I just, he's the type of comedian that I would be backstage laughing every time because you probably know him and like him. He just says such a, anybody has a weird angle like that and a weird voice and the tone. It just, something about it really cracked me up and he's a very sweet guy, so. Had a great time with him. Yeah. I don't know if Comedy didn't love Brody, didn't yeah. have a great story about him. Let's take a look at a clip from yeah. Brody uh, from his Comedy Central half hour. A lot of people say, Brody, you live with your mother. You live with your mother. You're 42, you live with your mother. A lot of people say that. That is not true. I don't live with my mother. I live with my sister. <laughs> in a condominium owned by my mother. Louder chuckles, stay with me. I'm intense, I get P.O. in the shower. Ah, we miss you, Brody. David, thank you so much thank for you, being buddy. here. You truly are the best. I appreciate it. And thank you for watching. Make sure to tune in to Lights Out with David Spade on Comedy Central after The Daily Show. Until next time, good talk. Yeah, good talk, bud. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.